This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. What does an aircraft scheduler do? How do you become a flight dispatcher? What's it like to be a corporate flight attendant? What jobs are available in all these fields? Welcome to episode 40, and today I'm really excited to have with me someone who can help answer all those questions. His name is Daniel Slapo, and he has a varied and interesting career, which has included all the jobs I mentioned above. Daniel began his career in the United States Air Force in 1987. His Air Force career spanned the globe, including being stationed in Sicily, the Pentagon, Hickam Air Force Base over in Hawaii, and McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. He then left the Air Force in 1997, where he was one of 13 people selected as crew to the Vice President of the United States on Air Force Two, based at Andrews Air Force Base. Since his departure from the Air Force, Daniel has assisted many companies under the umbrella of FAR Part 91, 91 Subpart K, and 135 as a flight attendant. Daniel is, or excuse me, was active committee member of the NBAA Flight Attendant Committee from 2005 to 2009 and published a bi-monthly aviation newsletter titled Corporate Flight Attendant News e-letter from 2006 to 2010. Today, Daniel works for ZecuJet Charter Service in Tampa, Florida as their flight coordinator and is the secretary treasurer of the newly formed Tampa Bay Aviation Association. In addition to all this, Daniel received his FAA dispatcher's license in October of 2009. Well, welcome to the show, Daniel. That's a, that's a lot of accomplishments. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Daniel, you know, today, uh, this is really cool because we have so many things here that we can talk about, all these different careers that you've been involved with. Uh, so a couple of things I, w- I want to know about is, is your interest in aviation. First of all, you know, we, we're at, at uh, Aviation Careers Podcast. We're passionate about flying. And people in all different jobs in aviation are truly passionate about flying. Why, why did you get into aviation? Uh, I guess I was very lucky that I joined the military and, and uh, going from point A to point B in the different careers that I had with the military. So uh, when my boss that was in charge of the flight attendant program and, and met the Andrews Air Force Base program, uh, I said, hey, this would be a great opportunity to go learn about flying aviation. So from that point on, it was really great to learn about it. So, so you kind of stumbled into it, and uh, how about as a kid? Did you ever look at airplanes and have fun with them? Oh, yeah. Uh, my house is over the uh, incoming path of uh, St. Pete Clearwater Airport, so uh, it was always neat to see them come in or take off from that point. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Interestingly enough, we both live in a similar area we just found out here, and, and I do get to listen and watch those aircraft take off and land. It's a lot of fun. You know, just, just give me an idea before we get going on all the specifics. You know, what do you, what do you really like about your job here and uh, in your job in general in aviation? It's challenging at times. Some, sometimes it's very easy, relaxing, but then sometimes it's unexpectedly something comes up, either mechanical or a new client wanting to go right away. And so being able to accomplish something within a short amount of time to exceed the expectation of my client. All right. Now, the uh, let's talk a little bit about the jobs here. First of all, currently, what is it you do actually at, at ExecuJet? I'm the flight coordinator here. I uh, maintain 
six airplanes on a day-to-day operations, assisting the crew with finding hotels, uh, fuel requirements, landing fees, and all the other stuff. Plus, I assist the the client themselves in knowing what airport is closest to their destination. Uh, Do they need ground support? Do they need catering, in-flight catering, uh, and any other support that we can give them to make their travels better? So kind of give us a little example. Let's pretend I want to fly from... Tampa, here we are in Tampa, to Springfield, Missouri, or say I want to go to Branson, uh, Branson, uh, Missouri. I guess that, that's, uh, where, where, how do I get there? Well, first of all, I'd find out how many people are going, what time of day you're looking to travel, how long your travels are. And then from that point on, I build my program based on that. And then I'll give you a price and see if that price is within your range. If it's not, then I look for other airplanes as well. And then from that point on, we take everything that you've agreed to and put it into a program and execute it. Now, how did you how did you get to the point where you could do all this? Because it, it sounds like there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle that have to come together. Like, I wouldn't know where to start, and that's why you're here. You know, how would I how would I find the airplane? How would I do all this? And and what licensing do I need to do this? Well, and. The 135 world, uh, there's not a requirement to have a licensed dispatcher. So a lot of places are called flight coordinators. Even though they do have the experience of a dispatcher, uh, the FAA doesn't require to have that particular license. So they're doing basically the same thing, but not regulated in an aspect. Okay, so uh, the flight coordinator in a 135 is, is similar to the flight dispatcher, but you don't need the license. But you went ahead and, and got your license. Now, would you suggest people doing that? And, and what's entailed in getting your flight dispatcher license? Yes, I, I highly recommend people to go get their dispatching license. Uh, it, the entailment is basically an ATP license, but you're non-flying. So you go through the tests that, are, uh, that happen to get your ATP license, but you're not required to do the flight times to make it accomplished. So say I'm a, I'm a pilot, okay, and I have my ATP or airline transport pilot certificate. I could actually get my dispatch license at the same time, could I not? Pretty much. It, it, there's a little questions here and there that are different, uh, but I would say 75% or more that it can be transferred into a dispatching license. Now, if I'm I'm planning on becoming, say, a pilot here with the with the executive or any charter, say, organization, would it be better if I, I, in addition to my ATP, if I had my dispatch license? Well, pilots don't realize they really are a dispatcher in a sense because they do handle all the same aspects that we do. They do planning. They they know about weather. They know about the airways. They know about the landing requirements and so on and so forth. So they really are tr- a truly a dispatcher just with a little bit more responsibility. Now, in the, in the airline world, a dispatcher actually is going to be coordinating all this and uh, does quite a great job of it. As a matter of fact, when I get an airplane, I don't know how they have all the paperwork ready. I just know I need this certain amount of paperwork when I'm going to Mexico or going over Cuba. That type. All those permits are, are, are pulled for me. It's amazing. But, you know, they have to keep in touch with me during that, that whole flight. There, is there rules in 135? Well, obviously, if you don't need a dispatcher, there wouldn't be rules that say you have to be in touch. But is there any way you can communicate with the pilots like they do at the airlines? They have a constant back-and-forth communication. Well, we do have a, the ability through the uh, 
the computer programs that are on the airplane, we can contact through them. They also have telephones in air that we can contact. And we also can use the FAA, uh, the uh, radio frequencies that they have, and we can get in contact with them, and they can call us to ground and process through that way. So you say somebody needs a little bit of help trying to figure out how to get around a, a storm system. I know that, gosh, a lot, a lot of these jets, these Corbett jets, have much more in the cockpit than, than we do in the airline business, but they have all these uplinks and, you know, like I can look at the weather channel where I am, that type of thing, but, but you kind of have a big picture and you're not in the cockpit. So if I say, you know, how do I get the, how do you get the message to them and say, Hey, listen, you know, by the way, you're going in the wrong direction. You need to go North of that weather. Uh, we really, as a dispatcher or, or as a flight scheduler, we really don't handle that aspect. It's all up to the pilot because they're right there. They have the equipment in front of them. They are talking to the FAA uh, air traffic controllers to seeing what routing that they can divert from from their original flight plans. Okay, I understand. Now, let's let's talk a little bit about rules. I know 91, 91 subpart K, and 135. We've been mentioning those words. 91, maybe you could help us explain that, what part 91, 91 subpart K and 135 is, a little bit of difference there. Certainly. A 91 operator is kind of like a corporate department, such as AT&T or uh, a company called Sharing Plowed or a few other companies like that. So they're just a basic corporate operator. Then your 91 subpart K operations are like your net jets, your uh, flex jets, your flight options. They are fractionals, timeshare type environments. So that's your, 90, your 91 subpart K. And your 135 charters are your on-demand, somebody like our self-executive charter service or Avant Air or uh, a few other people like that. Okay, so say, uh, let me just figure this out. On part 91, or I owned an airplane. Okay, that's part 91, and I can fly around. I used to own an airplane. I just sold it. But the, um, that, that enables me to fly under those rules. Now, this, say I want to have a couple of partners with me and make it into like a, a fractional type ownership. Is there a limit to how many people I can bring into the airplane? I wish I could give you that information, but I can't. But it's still uh, in that environment, a couple of people – sometimes can get away with just being a 91 operator. I understand. The, now, let's get back to uh, being, say, a flight attendant. You have a lot of experience as a flight attendant. Just, and it sounds like you've had a, a real interesting background there. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, back up a little bit here to, to how you got started and, and some of the cool things you did in the beginning and, and, and where you are now. Well, one of the great things was in the military, uh, working for the uh, Andrews Air Force Base, the uh, Sam Fox unit uh, out there, the 99th Airlift Wing, we were responsible for maintaining and taking care of all the foreign dignitaries that came into the U.S. and were authorized to use uh, U.S. governmental airplanes. We also flew congressmen and senators uh, and other people that were doing governmental jobs. So I worked on a Gulfstream at the time. It was a G3. And we took them all over the world, you know, doing governmental business. So that was a really great aspect. I was part of peace negotiation teams and, and just wonderful, great things. And then from there, uh, I was selected to work for the vice president of the United States on Air Force Two. Air Force Two is any airplane that the vice president is currently flying. So it could have been a Gulfstream. It could have been a DC-9 at the time or currently flies on a 737, so modified so uh, that was really interesting. And then when I got out of the military, I was able to start contracting myself, being self-employed, and working for different companies, such as like AT&T, Sharing Plowed. And then 
as a contractor, you are self-employed, so you're you're selling yourself as a flight attendant, and and you go through schooling, and you do a lot of great things. So that was really neat. And then from there, I also worked with uh, job placement companies such as Jet Professionals or Aircraft Crews. Uh, they're very great companies that find companies that want to work under a certain umbrella and take the responsibility of all the legal aspects and just hire somebody through a job placement company, basically. And so from there, it went to different other aspects. And then I got hired here at ExecuJet Charter Service. Wow, that that sounds really cool. As a matter of fact, as you were saying that, I said, this, this is really interesting. So you could almost put together your own business as a, as a flight attendant and go out there on your own and try to get jobs. I mean, that sounds exciting. sounds a little bit tough, too. I, I would uh, imagine you have a little advice for some people that might be thinking about doing that because we do have some people that have written in questions asking about, can I be a flight attendant but not work for somebody and do it on my own? What kind of advice would you give to someone like that? How do I get started? And, and you know, maybe a little bit of how much income you can make in general. Well, how do you get started? It's knocking on doors, letting people know that you've gone through the training. Uh, there's flat facts and flight safety who train flight attendants in the corporate environment. So from there, it's just getting to know people, getting to conferences and other events where other flight attendants are at and just talking to them and knocking on doors. That's the only way a lot of people get involved into this is by knocking on people's doors. Now, the, those... Uh I guess, organizations you talked about, what are they? Like, how do you use those? And, and if you have the links, maybe we could put them on, on the website. So if people are listening to this, it's going to be aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 40, and we'll have links to those. So if someone was to use this organization, like uh, what you just mentioned, you can say it again, how would they how would they use that and how would they sign up? Well, Jet Professionals is one of the largest companies out there that are in, that assist flight attendants, pilots, mechanics, to find contractual jobs at a point in time. You go through their service, they have a great program, uh, make sure that you're trained, you've got the qualifications, they handle your pay for you, they take care of insurance that you, you, you can handle for yourself. So there really are a job placement company and they'll vet uh, you and each company has certain requirements for training and they'll match you up to that. So. It, it's a great service. I've done it for a long period of time. Now let's let's compare and contrast uh, uh, in our airline flight attendant. Now I can speak from the pilot jobs. You, usually, when you work with a corporation, you're going to make more money in the beginning. Uh, over the long haul, maybe twenty, thirty years, you might make more as as an airline pilot, or you will. Is that similar with a flight attendant? Flight attendants usually start off uh, about $35,000 a year. Uh, that's an um, average. Uh, some make more, some make less, depending on what area of the, of the world you're in, what type of airplane you're making as well. Um, as a contract flight attendant, that scale fluctuates. It depends on how much work you can get. You know, At some point, I know people who are contract flight attendants who are making $70,000, but they're really working hard and networking and continuing to be out there on a daily day basis. Now that, that 35 is actually a pretty high number. That's somebody who's just starting out. If you go to the airlines, you're not going to make that kind of money. Uh, the, I don't know if you have any friends who have done that. Uh, that's true. But the airlines is a lot different. They, they have uh, a lot of different processes that they have to go through uh, and where the corporate department is totally different. Uh, a flight attendant in the corporate world does 
everything. They load bags. They buy food. They serve food. They cook food on the airplane. They clean the airplane. So it's an all-inclusive aspect. So they're using a lot – I shouldn't say a lot more skills. It's a lot of different environments. So the requirements are a lot of different. So that's the reason why the pay scale is different. And, and somebody who's really interested in doing that, that, that sounds like a challenge to me. It also, it sounds like you get to go to some really cool places. So just a, a, a little bit of uh, some fun. Let's talk a little bit about the fun parts of this job. And I mean, right now, just to give people an idea, we're sitting in, uh, I guess, the maintenance hangar here and also the hangar where they keep the airplanes. And you have some really cool aircraft out there. You can tell us a little bit about what you have in the hangar. But also, tell us a little bit about the normal day, but also some cool things that you've done, where you've gone, what you've been able to see. Well, uh, here at ExecuJet, we have six airplanes, uh, one Falcon 900, three Hawker 800s, a Westwind, and a King Air. So my range of knowledge of different airplanes is humongous, so I have to know everything about those. But traveling-wise, you know, there are times that I've been to Paris, France for a week uh, because the client sits there, and I've been to 80 different countries in my career as a flight attendant. Uh, I've been on every continent except for the poles. So, uh, you know, so it's fun. It's exciting. It's, it's challenging. There are times that my workday is longer than the normal flight attendant that works in the commercial flight attendant world. So, uh, and that's because duty times are a little different for the corporate side versus the commercial side. Okay. I understand that. That sounds really cool. I mean, it sounds like you, you get to go to some places for longer than you would as a, a flight attendant with the airlines. I mean, they, a lot of times they'll go there, maybe 72 hours might be the maximum, but a week, that's a, that's a really long, long time. The, uh, now let's, let's get inside the airplane. Uh, let's take a look at it. Cause I think people have never, they may have seen pictures, but they don't understand the difference between a corporate aircraft and say an airliner. I mean, let's compare and contrast that. There, there's there's a stark difference. Like, give us an idea. What what kind of amenities would you have in a corporate aircraft? Well, I mean, first of all, the amenities is it's basically first class seating throughout the entire cabin. Uh, most airplanes, corporate wise, have ten seats or less. Uh, some have a little bit more, depending on the size of the airplane. Uh, so. That's one of the great things. Uh, there is the beer, the wine, the sodas. Uh, we do ha- offer catering service. Uh, depending on your needs, will depend on uh, if a cater if a charter company will either pick up the tab for your catering or charge you for it. So you know, if you want a filet mignon with steak and potato, you know, steak and lobster, well, you're going to pay for that. But if you want like a sandwich, a, you know, a, a, from Panera Bread, uh, we might pick up that tab. So it all depends on the need. That sounds pretty cool. They, uh, uh, how about as far as the pilots are concerned? I, I know they, uh, they have kind of a comfortable environment. I've heard different stories as far as how it's set up. They have, uh, I've in one environment I, I heard that had their own lav, they had their own restroom or whatever, but I don't know if that's normal, but, uh, they have a lav in the back. I've heard of different people on different airplanes having, uh, places they could work out and they could sleep, that type of thing. Well, that's the extreme. That depends on the type of airplane. You know, the 737s, the, uh, you know, 747s type airplanes that are corporate. Yes, they have some of those amenities. When you get into your smaller airplanes, like the Gulfstream, well, they do have a forward lab and an aft lab. So then when you're working on the Hawkers, there's only one lavatory. And so it all depends on the corporate, the size of the airplane that you're flying on will depend on the amenities that are inside. Now, Let's talk a little bit about the getting into this career, you know, as far as something actionable. Let's talk first about flight attendants in the corporate field 
And then also a scheduler or dispatcher. And uh, how would they be? Let's begin with a flight attendant. How? What would you do now if you, if I'm sitting here listening right now? What would I do if I want to get into becoming a flight attendant for a corporation? Well, first of all, is always important is go through a training program. You have safety training programs out there for flight attendants. They're usually a week long for new 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 flight attendants to about three days for recurrent flight attendants. There are several programs out there. Uh, you have uh, Flight Safety International out of Savannah, Georgia. You have Air Care Cruise out of uh, Seattle, Washington. You also have Above and Beyond, which does flight attendant training here in the Tampa, South Florida region. So there are different companies out there that uh, offer training programs for flight attendants. Now, the safety programs, is that going to be like uh – uh, for medical assistance or evacuations, that type of thing? We do exec- exactly what the airlines do in flight attendant trainings. We go through the emergency drills. We do CPR. We do uh, opening the doors and, and evacuating people in uh, different scenarios. We have simulators that the flight attendants go through. And, you know, the programs are very strenuous. You know, one of the great things is uh, – our instructors are very knowledgeable and figure out who the flight attendant is and seeing their weaknesses and trying to help educate them on their weaknesses to be able to accomplish being a flight attendant because they're all on their own. Most airplanes in corporate only have one flight attendant. So that means that you have to be very knowledgeable of what's going on. Sounds like a challenge. And I think most people like that. And, uh, and by having that challenge, you do get a little bit extra pay in the beginning. That's for sure. Now, if someone was to actually get into this career and then decide they, now they, they want to move over to the airlines or vice versa, they want to go from the airlines to corporate, have you ever seen either way, go either way, and, and which one's more difficult? That's, that's a tough question, but which one do you think is more difficult, to go from the airlines to corporate or corporate to the airlines? Well, I, I have to say that trying to go from corporate to the airlines is the most difficult uh, because the the standards are a lot stricter. Uh, uh, stricter is a different, you know, the concept is a lot different, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, but we do get a lot of people coming from the commercial world, coming into the uh, corporate side and trying to accomplish their goals. Interesting. Now, you know, we've talked a lot about jobs, but there's some organizations out there that can help people like flight attendants. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll move on to the dispatcher. Uh, do you know of any, and can we, we'll, we'll put those on the website. What are, like, the big ones, organizations that you know of? Uh, you have Flight Safety and Air Care Cruise are probably the two pr- primary companies out there. Okay, great. And uh, also, I guess, National Business Aviation Association, would that help too or no? Well, the, the uh, National Business Aviation Association is uh, – they have a great resource on their website. You can go through and see the products and services section and see what companies out there offer training programs. Oh, okay, great. Now let's move on uh, from flight attendant. Now I want to – gosh, you've done so many different things here. Now I want to be a dispatcher, okay? I want to be a, uh, as you said, flight coordinator. Um so I feel that uh, it would be a good idea to get your dispatch license like you, and I think that it's great for everybody to do that because what if you do want to move on to an airline, okay, or anywhere else, it's good to have that. It's also good for the knowledge here. What, what do I need to do, to, to, and, and what type of experience do I need to have to get just the flight dispatcher, not with ATP, but the flight dispatcher license? Well, you know, in reality, a flight coordinator, a dispatcher is a 121 person. Uh, It is the same test. So we have the ability to either start in the 121 world 
or we can start in the corporate world. It all depends on where you want to go. It is the same test. So I have the ability, if I wanted to go work for a commercial aviation company, to be able to transfer my skills that I work in corporate side over to them. So uh, we do take the same test. Okay, this test is administered by the FAA. Now, is it just one single test that you have to study for? And, and gosh, do you remember how long it took you to, to get through everything? And, and how did you go about getting the knowledge? How did you do that? Well, first of all, I took all the knowledge that I learned as a flight attendant. You know, we did uh, understand what some of the runway restraints are and some weather issues. So so that was kind of general knowledge. But then I took a class. I actually, um, there are several programs out there, uh, Flight Safety International, ASC. Uh, there's another corporate company out there that has uh, corporate flight or sorry, corporate uh, scheduler programs uh, for learning dispatching. There's, I think, four or five different companies out there, and I'm sure you'll list them on your website once we get to those. Yeah, we, we'll definitely do that. You know, I, I know as you were speaking, I know there's some out here that uh, I think one here in Tampa where we're sitting right now that actually uh, does flight training, and they also do like this quick. Uh, you know, study course on getting your ATP. I, I think possibly you do your your uh, dispatcher's license after that, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm not sure. I know there is a local company, uh, the National Aviation Academy is here locally. So uh, I do know that they do uh, mechanical training in that. Uh, but I don't know if they have any flight coordination schools. But, you know, when you asked about what the training aspect of it, I took six weeks to get my flight, uh, my uh, license. Uh, I went through uh, classes on aviation weather. I learned how to flight plan manually. You know, the the FAA still does paperwork and training. Uh, you have to learn how to do things manually. So uh, I learned about the FAR regulations for uh, what airport you can land and what the minimums are and how far you need to go from if you can't land there, what's your alternate? So it took a six-week course for me. Now, there are other courses out there that you can do on your own up for about five weeks on you know throughout the year they'll give you. But the last two weeks, you have to go to school because there is such that importance of learning certain things that in the classroom that you have to do. So there's two alternate, all, you know, two chances that you can do. The, uh, the other thing I want to go into, too, here is that, you know, this has been terrific, you helping us out here. And, and as far as becoming a, a flight attendant, a dispatcher, that type of thing, is there, before we talk about ExecuJet and, and before we talk a little bit about uh, Tampa Bay Aviation Association, because I, I really think those are great organizations and yours is a great organization, NBAA is, the, um, is there any advice you could give to, to folks in general to, to say, hey, listen, if what we're saying here seems daunting to some people, I'm sure. To me, it does. Like, if I'm sitting there saying, gosh, I, I'm not sure I could do this. You know, you, you said six weeks of studying. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you have to, you're responsible for as a as a flight attendant or as a dispatcher. Uh, you know, who does this? I mean, who, who can do this? You know, surprisingly, I didn't think I could do it. But then I realized throughout my career, I was gearing up to being a dispatcher. Uh, I learned how to do customer relations. I learned how to know what the airplane does as a, in general just by being around it so my progression and my thought was well i've flight attendant has done scheduling in a sense they they schedule the passengers needs and they help the pilots decide on certain things well you know now i've got a professional license that i've learned from the past and now i'm implementing everything into a, a single device 
And, and that, that's some that's some great advice. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you what you're doing here and, and involved with in the Tampa Bay Aviation Association. That's kind of that's a really cool organization. Uh, I know you've tried to get me involved. And I think next year, once I once I get my second year pay at, at my airline, I'm definitely going to get involved. Wonderful organization. Just tell us a little bit about that Tampa Bay Aviation Association. For those listening, they'll they'll be able to see some information on the website. Well, we are a 5013C. We did get a nonprofit status uh, two years ago. Uh, we do an annual safety day. We do an annual golf charity golf event where we raise money for last two years. We've used it for All Children's Hospital. We've raised over $18,000 for All Children's Hospital just in golfing alone. Uh, our annual safety day brings over 110 people uh, throughout the U.S., uh, you know, or at least the regionally, uh, to talk about safety for a day. So, And that's no charge to the community. Our sponsors help pay for everything. Wow, and if they want to get involved with that, we'll have a link to the website there. That sounds like a really good thing. And uh, also, you mentioned NBAA before, National Business Aviation Association. Can someone get involved, in, and is that a uh, something that ExecuJet gets involved with, and, and does it help you? We've been part of the MBAA for 17 years uh, with a clean safety record. Uh, the MBAA is a great organization when bringing the whole together to talk about aviation issues, uh, either user fees or uh, uh, landing rights and so on and so forth. Uh, the mass voice is very important when dealing with the government at times. MBAA is a lobbyist group in, in the overall scheme of things, but it's, I think they do a very great job for the aviation community. It, while it's not geared towards the 121 commercial carriers, but I think when the, the resources are pulled together in general, all the big uh, national groups can help out. Terrific. Now let's talk a little bit about ExecuJet, you know, and and talk about what they do. The the uh, what makes ExecuJet different? from a customer's perspective primarily and then we'll talk a little bit about careers afterwards why what what makes you different than than some of the other folks out there what what is what's if i'm going to go and get a charter why would i go to execute well we do handle each client individually it's not just a number uh, we find out what your needs are we want to know what you like on the airplane and we try to accomplish that we're concierge service and and that's the way we treat each client is what it, what can we do to make your life better throughout your travels and that sounds like fun from a from a career perspective and and you know we're talking careers here and this has been great that we've been able to actually talk to somebody at, at a company that that does hire people and uh you know that, that opens and closes every so often how what would you do as a, as a person listening right now, what would you do to prepare yourself to come to a place like ExecuJet? What type of person are they really looking for here? We're looking for somebody who has goals in mind uh, as a great team player and, you know, that can fit into the multiple situations that we present on a day-to-day basis. You know, an airplane flies pretty much un, unexpectedly great uh, but there's those moments that it doesn't and how does how do you react to those and that's what we're looking for somebody that can react to a situation without minimal hiccups great and if they want some information we'll have some links on the website to to the different careers here at execujet and the uh you know as far as from an employee's perspective you don't have to talk about just yourself but in general you know, you talk to other folks here. What do they like the most about being here? 
Uh, you know, it starts with the management on top. Uh, they care about us. They want to know what we do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and, you know, so it trickles down. And, you know, we're a small company. We're kind of a family-orientated group. So we all care about each other. So that's one of the great things here. Uh, when you get to the larger companies, it's a little bit more difficult because you become a number. So, Daniel, if, if people are interested in a career in being a flight attendant, a corporate flight attendant, or a dispatcher, or even in a career here at ExecuJet, would it be okay if I, I forward some of those questions to you? Certainly. I'd be glad to help out. I've mentored a lot of people, and I enjoy doing that. So if anybody wants more information, please call and ask. And especially on, on the flight attendant side, we haven't had a lot of people that are in the flight attendant field, but we do get still get questions about that. Uh, interestingly enough, and I want to add this, that there are quite a few pilots that have been flight attendants, and uh, they've, they've actually made the jump from one career to the next. And it's interesting to see, and, and I think that the one neat thing about being a flight attendant is that it really helps people deal with situations that are high stress and in real time. And that's going to help you actually in the cockpit and, and being a pilot. So there are people that make that jump. Have you ever been able to, to go out and fly an airplane? I haven't. Um, I've been able to sit in the right seat at some point in travels, but I don't want to sit there for ages. I'm a backseat kind of guy in front and enjoy myself. But I do have to say in this aspect is that people forget flight attendants are multifaceted people and flight attendants forget that there's other opportunities in aviation that they can go towards, just like myself. Flight, I took all my flight attendant knowledge and then I made it into a dispatching knowledge. Uh, and the same with flight attendants becoming pilots. There are multiple aspects. So people forget that what they've already learned can be intertwined into other careers. You know, that, that's a great point, Daniel. Uh, I think people that are listening, uh, if you're listening and, and you're thinking, gosh, I'm in, a, in this career of computers, I'm a police officer, whatever I'm doing, how is that going to translate to, to, my, to a job as either a flight attendant, a pilot, or something in aviation. And like you said, all, a lot of those skills will translate over. I, I don't think uh, you should make that as a, uh, that's not a stumbling block. I think that's a strength, don't you? I totally agree, because if not, then I wouldn't have succeeded where I was at. Well, terrific. Well, Daniel, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. And, and uh, you know, this is, I hope we have inspired a few people to look at jobs in and, and, and this varied and, and very exciting and fast-paced field of as executive charters. I mean, it's uh, you're, you're it. I mean, you do everything. It's not just uh, the, the large airline where you have one specific job. I think that's pretty cool that, that you get to do all those things. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you for your time today. And, and you know, if uh, one thing I want to ask some of the listeners, if you're listening today, we talked a little bit with, with Daniel about a specific company, ExecuJet. We've done it once before. Uh, and if you want to hear more about job opportunities at specific companies and people that do the hiring, let me know because I, I think we're going to put more of those out there. Uh, as uh, most folks know, uh, in my past life, that's uh, what I did for about uh, 12 years is help furloughed pilots find jobs and hook them into all the different hiring programs within the different companies. So if you want to hear more of that, let me know that. But one of the things that, that, that Daniel pointed out, and, and I want to make sure that, that, that if you're listening, you, you got this, is that no matter what you do, what, whatever field you're in, whatever you're doing now, you can apply those skills in the future into whatever you're doing in the future. So whatever you, you have right now, whatever job you're in, if it's a police officer, if it's a paramedic, if it's a doctor and you want to become a pilot, you can take those skills and transfer them over to 
a career in aviation. We love our career in aviation. We love flying. And that's what uh, Aviation Careers Podcast is about, is sharing that passion and, and passing forward uh, some of the knowledge to make it easier for you to become a employee, a business owner in this aviation career. Appreciate your listening and safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.